This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me. As always, the college football season is fastly approaching. And here at Saturday to Sunday, we have turned the page to the next wave of prospects. The last episode, we kicked off our positional preview shows, looking at the 2023 running back class. Jeff Abercrombie and myself really broke down 20 draft-eligible running backs in great detail, sharing my scouting reports on those guys that make up the scouting notebook, which is yet to be released as part of the 2023 premium notebooks. All these scouting reports are part of the 2023 scouting notebook. And over the last couple of weeks, I've been digging into the film. I've ran almost 90 scouting reports for the scouting notebook. We covered the running backs on the last episode. If you missed it, get back and listen to it. I know it was a long episode, but if you want to find specific guys and hear our discussion points on that, we have every single player timestamped in the description of the show. We're going to try to cut them up also and put them on the YouTube as individual, you know, small discussions on, you know, the different running backs, be John Robinson, Tank Bigsby, et cetera, et cetera. So if you just wanted to hear our takes on that, but everything is timestamped uh, in terms of if you listen on a podcast provider or if you are following along on YouTube and watching on there as well. Tonight, we're going to talk 2023 quarterback class. And what really makes this quarterback class interesting, different, and unique is we have seen a shift in the NFL over the last five years, eight years, where teams were looking for guys that were more of that dual threat capabilities that can win with their legs as well as their arms. Those traditional pocket passing quarterbacks or those quarterbacks that traditionally win from the pocket weren't valued as much in drafts. And we also saw a lot of them not be successful in the transition from the college game to the NFL game. I mean, if we just rattle off guys recently, Josh Rosen, Dwayne Haskins, Sam Darnold. The jury's still out, but it looks like Baker Mayfield is not going to live up to the expectations. Those were all guys that traditionally won from the pocket. Mac Jones, a guy who wins from the pocket, had a successful rookie year. We'll see where his career is headed. But we've seen guys get pushed up the boards more based on their athletic ability and their arm talent. Guys like Daniel Jones, guys like Josh Allen. Now, some of them pan out, some don't. Jury is still to be determined by last year's group of guys like Trey Lance and, you know, and Justin Fields. And even if you group Trevor Lawrence into that mix and, and we've seen other guys as well, but this 2023 draft class is going to be really unique and really interesting because the guys at the top and everyone knows who they are, right? CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Ohio state, Alabama quarterbacks. They are guys that are not that are going to, they're not going to be pegged as dual threat capabilities. Yeah, Bryce Young's got some athleticism. C.J. Stroud's got some untapped athleticism as well. But those are guys that win from the pocket. They can move around, make things happen on the run and on the move, but they are more traditional pocket-passing quarterbacks. They are much different than guys like Josh Allen or Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, you know, or Justin Fields or Trey Lance. So it's going to be very interesting to kind of see a little bit of a shift back. We do have some guys that would classify as dual-thread capabilities in – the, the top five, top six, top seven, however you want to break it down. But a lot of those guys would be more classified as guys who win from the pocket. So it's a little bit of a different 
we'll see. Last year when I did this episode, it was Spencer Howell and, and Sam. You know, uh, I mean, it was Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell that obviously were the two guys at the top. And we saw how that panned out, right? Spencer Rattler gets benched, transfers to, you know, South Carolina now. We'll talk about him again tonight. You know, Sam Howell falls to the fifth round. So things dramatically change, you know, in terms of from one year to the next. But I've dug in. I've watched a lot of quarterbacks. I've wrote a lot of scouting reports. We're going to talk probably about, you know, 15 or 16 guys tonight. In the scouting notebook, there's already 20 guys. But some of those guys are guys that were in last year's scouting notebook that I that I I reevaluated, didn't really see dramatic shifts and stuff. I, I think those guys are more ticketed towards, you know, UDFA priority free agent type. So I'm not going to get into them tonight again uh, because those are guys that were that were draft eligible last year, didn't really elevate their game to the point to come out last year. Uh, so I'm going to focus my attention on some newer names tonight who are draft eligible for the first time uh, and, and really dig into those guys here. Obviously, you can get all our thoughts for every player that that's in the Sky Notebook. Uh, if you purchase the premium notebooks, they will be out uh, within the next two weeks or so. The new notebooks that this is just the first version, right? We will edit and update these throughout the year. We will dramatically adjust these scouting reports. We will add many, many more quarterbacks. Uh, this is just our first run, our first film analysis to the with the access to the film and the highlights that we have availability to us, right? That also does dramatically impact things as well as we wait for more uh, film and stuff to be available, you know, for, for somebody like our team here at Saturday to Sunday, similar to the running back show, you're going to see a screen share of the scouting reports as we're doing the show tonight uh, to kind of give you a little snippet of the player as well. Um, you know, as I talk through these guys tonight. So I'm going to bring that up and then we're going to get kind of right into uh, breaking down this quarterback class. Like I said, it's going to be really interesting, uh, you know, to, to kind of see how this quarterback situation shapes up. But the first guy I want to bring up tonight, and this is a guy that was in last year's scouting notebook, but there's a little bit more uh, to talk about him. And that is Jaden Daniels, formerly of Arizona State, but now transferring to LSU, it's his job. He's going to be a starting quarterback. He's six foot four, 185 pounds. So right off the bat, he's got good size at six foot four, but he's got to add to that frame. He's got to get that up close to almost 200 pounds if he's going to be a guy that plays quarterback at the next level. I do think his arm talent in terms of his velocity and strength is good. I think he's got a pretty quick release. I think he can throw with some touch. The, the calling card for Jaden Daniels is we know he's very athletic and he's elusive and he shows good rushing ability. He shows the ability to play off structure, throw on the move. He can do RPO concepts really well. He can make plays with his legs inside and outside the pocket to buy more time. For Jaden Daniels, it's all about can he improve his ball placement, uh, his accuracy at times is inconsistent. He's got to add to that frame and he's got to, he's got to hone his skills to show that he can handle the rigors of playing the quarterback position. Can he handle, show more, better pocket presence, better decision-making? Can he read coverages pre-snap and post-snap? Can he show poise under pressure? SEC defenses are going to be coming after him and coming after him hard this year. So if he could show a lot of that, I think that I think there's a lot of room, upward mobility for a player like Jaden Daniels. 
who his God-given talents are very intriguing. The athletic traits are there. The arm talent is there. He can make the throws. He know We know he can be a dual threat type of guy. But the, a lot of the quarterbacking skill from from understanding what he's seen in terms of what defenses are, are showing him, he's got to show that he can handle that and know how to solve problems as a true quarterback in addition to utilizing that athleticism to his advantage as well. I mean, last year, only 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. That's not going to cut it, right? He puts up a season where you don't see a dramatic shift in not only statistics, but just better decision-making, better quarterback play. He goes from a guy that's not even a developmental guy to a guy that doesn't even get drafted. But if he puts it together, playing in the SEC now, playing at LSU, I think he's a guy that could see upward mobility like I talked about, uh, you know, to be a guy that could be a developmental quarterback. That athleticism, that arm talent makes him intriguing to be a backup quarterback, and then let's see what happens. So I think it's a big, big year for Jaden Daniels. I'm excited to see him with that LSU offense. I'm excited to see him in the SEC. I think it's going to give us a real better gauge in terms of Jaden Daniels, the prospect, in terms of what he can be. Uh, and can he show some growth and development in some of those areas that I think it's going to be really important for him to to show that in terms of being on the NFL radars as a quarterback at the next level. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I think the fact that he left Arizona State and went to LSU makes it a much more intriguing year for him than if it was still Arizona State. Uh, I think it's going to give us a better opportunity to really evaluate him and judge him going up against great defenses in the SEC, playing for a big program like LSU, uh, excited to kind of see the trajectory of Jaden Daniels this upcoming year. Uh, next up, and I'll talk about him really quickly, is JT Daniels. Another guy similar to Jaden Daniels, switching colleges. Was at Georgia last year? Now is going to be the guy leading West Virginia. Six foot three, 215 pounds. He's got good size and frame. He's got the arm talent that I would classify as good in terms of the velocity and strength to make any NFL throw. He's got a quick release. He's got the ability to throw from different arm angles and different platforms. He can throw on the run. He can play a little bit off structure, uh, but he's not an athletic guy. You know, he's not a guy who's going to do much with his legs in terms of rushing ability or RPO concepts. Uh, but I think he's above average at reading coverages pre and post snap. I think he shows some mental processing to go through his progressions that there are some physical traits and aspects of JT Daniels' game that I'm intrigued by, but it's just been all hype now, you know, now in his third landing spot. Can he put it all together and have a really productive season that puts him on that radar? Because like Jaden Daniels, if he does, I think he could be looked at as a third-string quarterback, developmental quarterback, upside develop into a backup, be a day three type guy. But if he doesn't show better decision-making, uh, cutting down on turnovers, uh, cleaning up me- his mechanics and footwork and handling pressure a little bit better. If he can't do that, I think he goes more towards UDFA status, late day free status, uh, you know, former big time recruit. It carries weight, but but it's time now for him in his third spot to be able to show what he can do and put together a really strong year that leaves that impression in the NFL's minds that he could be a guy at the next level that warrants a shot, right? We saw Davis Mills, a former big time recruit, you know, not live up to the expectations in college, but then 
NFL teams were still intrigued by him. Houston takes him in the third round. He has a really good rookie year, right? That's what a guy like JT Daniels is kind of hoping for, right? Could he be that story? And I'm not sure he can, but I think if he puts together a really strong year, you know, at, you know, at uh, West Virginia this year, I think it opens up the door that maybe it can be. And that is something uh, that I'm really looking forward to, to seeing. So that's kind of where I'm sitting with JT Daniels. If we take this to the next player that I'm going to talk about, and that is Jerron Hall out of BYU, the senior, six feet tall, 204 pounds. I had very little um, knowledge of Jerron Hall, the player, superficial knowledge, wasn't a guy that was really on the radar, wasn't on my radar last year. So I, I came in him with really a blank slate is the best way to describe it. And I walked away watching Jerron Hall, very impressed with his skill set. I have him higher in my ranks than I think I expected him to. I thought he was maybe going to be like 15, 16. He's higher than that for me. I'm intrigued with his skill set. He's a little undersized, but he's got very good to great athleticism, rushing ability, quickness, and it shows the ability to throw on the run. He can throw from different platforms and arm angles. He can play off structure. To me, his arm talent is probably somewhere between average to above average, but I don't think it hinders him in terms of making NFL throws. Uh, we didn't see a lot of tight window throws, but I, I do think he's shown the ability to push the ball vertically down the field. We've shown the ability to push it outside the numbers. Uh, I think his accuracy and ball placement, I would also classify as probably average to above average, but he, he can throw with good touch. I see mental processing. I see uh, reading coverages. I see good pocket presence. So there's a lot about his game that I really do like. Uh, I do think that his skill set right now maybe is of a backup quarterback, but I also think if he has a really strong year, he could be looked at a little bit different in terms of being a guy that maybe could move himself up, right? Start as a backup and be that guy who's taken in round three or early round four that's going to get a shot. And, and I think that's something that is intriguing by Jerron Hall, that ability to run a spread offense that includes a lot of RPO concepts and be a weapon, you know, with his legs and play off structure and throw on the run and move the launch point. So many things that I think NFL teams are intrigued with, especially if their starting quarterback has that skill set. I think they want backups in the building that can run a similar style offense. And that opens up a guy like Jerron Hall to be drafted as a backup to so many of these places that do have guys like that in the building as their entrenched starter. But I think Hall could also be a guy that has some upward mobility to kind of see his stock rise. We saw Zach Wilson come out of nowhere a couple of years ago. I'm not saying Hall could have that trajectory to be a top, you know, number two overall pick like Zach Wilson was. But I do think BYU is going to have a very strong year. I think he's going to get a lot of eyeballs and a lot of attention towards him. And if he has a really, really strong year, I think Hall could see his stock rise. He could be around three, around four type talent. I think his skill set already warrants that. So I'm really intrigued by Jerron Hall out of BYU. Keep this going. Uh, 
Phil Jerkovic, I'm going to talk about him a little bit quickly because he didn't play much last year, only 96 passes over six games due to injuries. He's a senior, redshirt senior out of Boston College. He's six foot five. He's 219 pounds. Uh, a lot of people seem to be higher on Jerkovic. To me, Jerkovic is the running back version of Zach Charbonnet, who I talked about on the last pod. I just don't see it with Charbonnet in terms of being really intrigued with him. It's the kind of same way about Jerkovic. Like to me, he, he's a date for type guy. And I don't, I hate to start there, but I, I, that's where I think he is. I think he's a backup quarterback. Maybe he could be the upside to be a spot starter. But when you look at a guy like Phil Jerkovic, I don't see a guy who's more talented than Kyle Trask. I don't see a guy who's more talented than Carson Strong. Uh, he's a little bit more mobile and athletic than those guys, but I still think his calling card at the NFL level is still going to be winning from the pocket with a guy who could use that rushing ability, use his athleticism, you know, to pick up some on the ground. But if he's going to be successful at the next level, he's not a dynamic mover. He's not a dynamic athlete. He's not going to be utilized you know, as a, as, as a running type quarterback at the next level, you know, because everything's quicker, bigger, faster in terms of the defenders, he could be a guy that, you know, due to his size and play strength and physicality, he could, he can be a, a, a functional runner, but he's going to have to be a guy that wins consistently from the pocket. And I just didn't see it. I, I see a guy that, yeah, he's got great frame and size. Uh, I think his athleticism for a guy, six, five, two nineteen is probably above average. He's got some mobility to his game. He's got some rushing ability. I think he could definitely be a weapon maybe near the red zone as a runner. Uh, you see the play strength and toughness. You see his ability to break tackles in the pocket, keeping plays alive, guys you know, bouncing off of him as they're trying to get a, snap, uh, a sack. But to me, he's only got above average to good arm talent. I, I wouldn't classify it. Uh, you know, as a guy that has a strong arm, especially for the six foot five, two nineteen, you'd probably think that kind of classifies as a guy who's going to have very good, great top level arm talent. I think it's, I think it's above average to good. Uh, I think he's got a good release and delivery. It, it's clean, uh, but I think he's only got average accuracy in the short to intermediate game, and he's got very inconsistent accuracy in ball placement. When we're talking vertically. I think there's aspects of his game in addition to struggling to throw the vertical ball in terms of accuracy and ball placement. I think there's a lot in terms of uh, developing from the quarterbacking type skill stuff, right? Reading coverages, reading defenses, pre-snap, post-snap, understanding, you know, the blitzing and, and the disguises that defenses are trying to throw at him. He's got to show better that he can go through progressions. He's got to show more presence in the pocket, the ability to handle pressure better. I think his poise and his mechanics really suffer when he's under pressure. You don't see a lot of anticipatory throws with Phil Jerkovic. So to me, there's a lot that I need to see him kind of advance this year and develop before I think he could be a guy that could be a day two type guy. I just don't see it right now from him. And I know people are higher on him. We'll see, you know, we'll get a much larger sample size. I think this year, I think he'll be a guy, you know, that this year will be big for him in terms of his draft capital. So I, I, I don't, I'm not marrying these draft projections. I'm not marrying these draft rankings. These things are fluid. These are my initial thoughts. I have no problem, you know, making changes and, and saying why I made those changes. But right now I think there's a lot, um, a lot that he needs to still show to be the guy that I think is worn some attention as like a top five, top six quarterback for some people in next year's class. I'm just not seeing it from Jerkovic right now. There's a lot of improvement areas, a lot of development that I need to see before I feel comfortable thinking he's not more than just a day for type backup type quarterback at the next level. 
Let's keep this going with a, a name that is it, it has not been talked about at all here at Saturday Sunday, and that's Devin Leary out of North Carolina State. He's a senior. He's 6'1". He's 217 pounds. Uh, really great statistical year last year. 35 touchdowns, only five interceptions, uh, almost 3,500 passing yards, almost 66% completion percentage. When I watched Leary's game, I thought the size was average. I thought the frame was was solid in terms of, you know, while he's only 6'1", I thought the frame was a guy that could hold up in the rigors of the NFL, taking a pounding. But his athleticism, I'll start right there, right? It's below average in terms of his mobility. Uh, you know, that stuff that, you, that you're not going to fix that about him. Like, he's not an athletic player. His movement is not dynamic. He, you know, he can move around in the pocket a little bit, but there's not a lot of mobility to be a weapon with those legs. You're not going to get any rushing capability from him. You're not going to see a guy that succeeds playing off structure. Uh, I thought there was some inconsistent vertical ball placement. And I also just didn't see a lot of tight window throws, which a guy who's going to be a traditional pocket passing quarterback, which is what Leary is. I like to see good vertical ball placement. I like to see tight window throws. To me, if you don't have the athleticism and the rushing capabilities to play off structure in today's NFL, I want to be able to see you have a strong arm, rope it in there, push the ball vertically down the field, be willing and comfortable to make tight window throws. And that's part of my problem with Leary. I like components of his game, but even the arm talent, I would say only classifies as average to above average in terms of his velocity and strength. So now you're talking about a guy who's not a dynamic mover, not going to win with his legs, not going to be a playmaker with his legs, but his arm talent is only average to above average. He doesn't make a lot of tight window throws. Where I do think he's very strong at, good mental processor, really good at reading and diagnosing coverages pre-snap and post-snap, shows the ability to work through progressions, very good decision maker, shows a quick release, can throw a touch in anticipation. So those are those are the aspects of his game that are really strong. And I think that's why he put up a very good season. Teams are going to like him. He's a very smart, heady player. But the physical traits to me is why I think I'll be a little bit lower on him than maybe other people. To me, he's, a, he's like the prototype backup quarterback. He's got some upside due to those things I talked about. Maybe he can become a spot starter. I just don't think without the athleticism, without the creative ability, and then you add in average arm talent, I don't know if the ceiling is there for a guy who could be a long-term starter at the next level, even with the good processing, the good decision-making, the ability to throw a touch, the accuracy. I just worry that there's too many limitations to his game to to be a guy that's far you know, that's got starter up traits and starter skills in a normal year. I don't want to use last year as a barometer because last year guys who I thought should have went round one or early round two fell to round three. When I look at a guy like Leary, I could see an NFL team pulling the trigger late round, round three where, where Davis Mills went, where Davis Webb went, went once upon a time. I could see somebody taking a chance on Leary in late round three. I think he's more of a day three guy. I think he's more of a round four guy. That's where I think he should start to come off the board. Uh, I don't see a guy who can push himself into 
a definite day two mix. I just think there's limitations to his game from the physical components that would hinder what NFL teams are looking for in terms of trade-based evaluation, trade-based scouting, which is, I think, a lot of what the NFL uh, is looking for when they're evaluating the quarterback position on top of the intangibles. Keep this going. Uh, next up, one of the bigger names in the class, and that is Will Levis. He is the senior out of Kentucky. He's six foot four, 230 pounds. Uh, this is a guy who I think is very much in the round one mix. I think this is a guy who's got top 10 potential uh, based on how this year plays itself out. This is a guy who does have that dual threat capabilities. When you look at his size, when you look at his frame, when you look at his athleticism, I think you're you're going to see a guy that that does have some Josh Allen vibes. I'm not there yet as a guy who was a huge Josh Allen fan, but but I do think there's a lot of similarities in terms of the player, in terms of ceiling, in terms of the upside. I like. Josh Allen Moore, for sure. The first time I watched Josh Allen, I thought he could be a top five, top one overall pick. I think Levis is more of a guy I feel comfortable saying he's around one guy, and let's see how high he can climb it this year. Uh, but right off the bat, let's talk about the pros that I like. Great size and frame, right? The prototype. 6'4", 230 is literally the prototype almost. Uh, I would say his athleticism is good. The mobility is good. He shows the ability to throw on the run. He can throw from multiple platforms. Excuse me. He can play off structure. The arm talent, arguably one of the best in this class that I've watched so far. I classify it somewhere between very good to great. Maybe it's even elite, and I'm sure changing him a little bit. But he's got the arm talent to make every single throw. He can put it in tight windows. He can make NFL throws. He can push the ball vertically down the field. He can put it outside the numbers. So really good arm talent in terms of velocity and strength. He's got a quick release. And obviously, he's got good rushing ability and a really big weapon as a red zone. I think his accuracy and ball placement, I would probably classify as functional right now. I think he showed growth in that area last year. I'd like to see a little bit more growth in that. I think his mechanics and footworks, same thing, functional. Could, is there some things he can clean up with it for sure? But I wouldn't classify it as a, as a concern. I, 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 don't, I don't consider it perfect and clean at all times. So I, don't, I don't think it's a strength. Uh, I would say it's where it needs to be right now in terms of things that he's got to, I'd like to see this year in terms of development. Uh, there is some poor decision-making The 13 interceptions kind of, kind of jumps out at the page at you. Uh, and that's some of those were clearly on Levis's decision-making. So he's got to improve his decision-making this mental processing, the ability to go through progressions, reading coverages, pre and post snap, uh, that he's got to improve and show he can get better at and at least get to a functional level in that. And I do think we don't see a lot of touch and anticipatory throws from Will Levis right now. You know, he's more showing off that, that top-level arm talent. We don't see a lot of touch. We don't see a lot of anticipatory throws. I think that's something that it would be nice to kind of see him in his senior year show the ability to know when to throw with more touch than, than his fastball. Show when he can throw with anticipation, lead a receiver, know what a receiver is going to do, and not just throw to a wide-open guy. Those are some areas I'd like to see him improve. I think right now he's already got the traits to warrant being a guy who's drafted in round one as a starting quarterback. You can run RPO concepts. You can run a pro-style offense with him if you want. I think he's most ideal in a spread offense with the use of RPO concepts that push the ball vertically 
down the field. I like Levis. I think you're going to see him very much in the mix as being a top five quarterback. I think odds are are strong that he's very much in the round one mix. If not round one, definitely a day two. But I think he's going to push the, the envelope a little bit and be around one guy uh, because he has the prototype, because he has the athleticism and the arm talent. Uh, I think it would take a very poor year to kind of see him – you know, fall out of that round one mix, but we've seen it, right? Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler, as I talked about at the top of the show last year, they were deemed lock round one guys and they didn't go round one. They didn't go top five, top 10, like people thought they would. But I do think Levis is a guy that's going to have staying power as a guy that we do see hear his name called in round one of next April's draft. But there are some areas where he's got to show growth and improvement this year. And he can't take a step back in some of the areas that I, that I think he's good or functional at uh, right now. Let's keep this going. Next up, uh, Grayson McCall, uh, Coastal Carolina, redshirt junior. He's six foot three, 210 pounds. Uh, last year, he had a 73 completion percentage, uh, 27 touchdowns, three interceptions, 290 yards rushing, four touchdowns. Now, let me, now let's talk about those stats a little bit. I think they're a little bit misleading. Okay. I watched his freshman film. I watched his sophomore film. I was much more impressed with his freshman film than I was his sophomore film. So collectively, that that's hard because I usually want to see growth from one year, not a guy who looks worse on his sophomore film than his freshman film. But with that said, things that those stats, I think they're a little misleading. The scheme, very option-based, very RPO-based, a lot of predetermined reads, one read. So that 73%, I think, is a little misleading. He wasn't asked to fulfill full field reads. He wasn't asked to go through a lot of progressions. He wasn't asked to make many tight window NFL-type throws at all. I think he had a lot. The scheme created a, a lot of wide-open passing lanes, the level of competition. I don't think a lot of quality defenders are going to be guys, you know, who are going to be playing in the NFL in the future. I think is accuracy that 73% number is a little bit little bit because of the scheme because of what he was asked to do i think he shows good accuracy in ball placement in the short to intermediate but i think the mid, the as soon as you start asking him to push the ball vertically down the field outside the numbers i thought the there was definitely inconsistent uh, in terms of the vertical ball placement and accuracy i already talked about what he was asked to do was not what he would be asked to do at the NFL much. You didn't see a lot of progression reading. You didn't see many tight window throws, the mental processing. So those are all levels of concern for me. I think his arm talent is just average in terms of his velocity and his strength. Same thing. He shows some ability to throw in anticipation. I don't think it was too often because like I said, a lot of predetermined reads, but there are some times that he led the guys nice and, and it was a little bit of an anticipatory type throw. I think his footworks, mechanics, release uh, are all functional, uh, you know, in terms of his eval, where he wins, I would say, is good athleticism, mobility, rushing ability, understanding of RPO concepts, I think is really strong. I already talked about good accuracy and ball placement in the short to intermediate range. He can throw a touch. He can throw on the move. Good decision-making and uh, you know, good competitive tough, toughness. A guy that is that gamer-type personality that I think really sells well when you watch a guy. Uh, he, like I said, he can. He showed the ability to throw on the move. 
I'm not sure that classifies as a guy who is very creative in terms of his ability to play off structure. I think it's probably average. I don't think it's a strength of his right now because I did think it was a lot of predetermined stuff in that scheme and a lot of wide open lanes for passing or for running based on that scheme. So I don't think we saw a lot of Kenny playoff structure when the play breaks down. Kenny handle pressure. I think those are very to be determined. To me, he's a backup quarterback, upside to be a spot starter or low end starter. I, like I said, I, I want to see him get back to that freshman film. I was much more intrigued with that. Uh, I think he's more of an early day three guy. Could he sneak in the round three? Sure. I, I talked about the same thing with Devin Leary, but I think he's much more of an early day three type guy, uh, not a guy who, who's going to be in the day two mix when push comes to shove based on what we saw last year with teams looking for certain things. You know, if Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, and Malik Willis are going in round three, you know, I don't think Grayson McCall belongs anywhere near round three. And I, I know every draft is different, uh, but but that's just, you know, if you're comparing their physical traits and, and their skill sets, to me, Willis, Corral, and Ritter are totally at a different tier, different level than a guy like Grayson McCall, a guy like Devin Leary. So I think that's what's going to make this really hard about trying to put draft projections on these guys and where I think they fit because the NFL last year kind of pushed guys down the board that weren't the total package. Uh, but I don't know if that was just a one-year thing. I don't want to overcompensate for one draft class where quarterbacks got pushed down the board and it wasn't a strong class. Uh, so in general, I think everyone just kind of got pushed down the board a little bit. So we'll see. I know Grayson McCall has his fans. Uh, I'd kind of put him – for me, with me being a little bit more on, I don't like him or love him nearly as much as other people. Same thing I said about Jerkovic. Same thing I said about Charbonnet and the running back show. Could they change my mind this year? Yeah, I'm open to it. I, I, I'm not. I'm not too. I'm not rigid in, in my evals. Matt and I at Saturday Sunday have been saying since day one that this is initial evals. This is initial look. You're talking. These guys can play eight, ten, twelve, fourteen games this year. That's a lot more to evaluate, and that could dramatically change the narrative on what these guys showed. So the door's open for McCall to change my opinion. If he goes back to his freshman film where I saw more tight window throws, I saw more things that looked like things that he might do at the NFL level in terms of the throws he was asked to make, I I think I could see myself liking him a little bit more, but they just weren't there uh, on the film from his sophomore year too much. Keep this going. Next up. Tanner McKee uh, out of Stanford. He's a junior. He's six foot six. He's 228 pounds. This is a guy who I think is going to be in the round one, round two mix. Uh, things that he does really well. Obviously, great size at six six. Uh, you know, good frame at 228. Very good arm talent in terms of his velocity and strength. He can make any NFL throw. Really good in terms of accuracy. But I think where he stands out is very good to great ball placement. He can throw a touch. He can make anticipatory throws. He's got very clean mechanics. He shows the ability to be a good mental processor, read coverages, go through progressions. So McKee checks off all those boxes. It was a very down year for Stanford last year. Uh, He had some inconsistency, I'll say, in terms of decision-making. He's got to clean that up. I don't think he's a great vertical passer. I'd say he's probably only average there. I'd like to see a guy with his profile, his arm talent, his size, his frame, be more of a guy who's willing to let it rip vertically down the field. Uh, My concerns are he took two years away from football before he went to Stanford. Uh, So he's going to be an older rookie. 
Not a guy who's going to do much in terms of his athletic ability, mobility. Not going to be a guy who's going to throw on the run much. Not going to be playing off structure much. Poison decision-making on the process. So to me, there's some question marks there. Uh, so if he can put that together, if Stanford could have a better year, I think we could see him elevate himself maybe into the round one mix. I think right now, to me, he's more of a guy who can go late round one. I'd feel more comfortable in round two. I think he's got starting quarterback traits if you're looking for that traditional pocket passing quarterback. So pro style, I think he could be a West Coast guy. I think he's a good rhythm passer. I think he can play in a spread as well. Uh, so we'll see. I think the ceiling could be high on him. If you're looking for that type of prototype quarterback, uh, for me, McKee did not make my top five, but he was he's my, he was my number six uh, based on what he showed last year. But there's some guys that I think can leapfrog him still, and, and that's where to me there's a little bit of a drop. You know, there's five guys that I really like that I think could be round one talents, and then McKee kind of is the, is the next guy in line. Uh, you know, in terms of, of that. So let's keep this going. Next up is uh, Tanner. I'm going to skip two guys from last year. Graham Mertz uh, out of Wisconsin, Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota. Those are a couple guys that I said, I, I think they're now late day three UDFA type prospects. I think they're guys that were in the notebook from last year. I, I fine tuned their scouting reports a little bit. Uh, they didn't show me anything too dramatically different than what I saw last year, and I wasn't very high in them last year. So I'm not going to go into every uh, profile tonight for the quarterback. going to focus on the guys who I think legitimately, you know, could see their stock rise to be round, you know, top three round, top four round type guys for the most part tonight in terms of uh, where I think their skill sets are. Uh, and I just think some of those guys that skipped over, I just don't see that as a reasonable guys like, Sean Clifford, Graham Mertz, uh, Tanner Morgan. I don't see any scenario where they're not late, late day three, probably UDFA type prospects. But a guy who is not going to be a UDFA, who I think similar to Leary, similar to Grayson McCall, who could be in that round three, round four mix, but I like a little bit more than those guys, is Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. He's a senior. He's six foot three, 212 pounds. Uh, last year, 3,700 passing yards, 72 completion percentage, 28 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, uh, good size and frame. Yarmtown's probably just average in terms of velocity and strength, but he can make he can make NFL throws. Similar to Leary, below average athleticism, not going to be a guy that does much with you know running, mobility, not a playmaker, not going to do a lot throwing on the run. Another guy, traditional pocket passing quarterback, Unfortunately, similar to Leary, I didn't see a lot of tight window throws. So there are definitely things that I think limit his upside, which is why I think he's more of a late round three, somewhere around four type guy. But what can he do? He's got good size and frame. I do think the arm talent is only average. So again, lacks athleticism, average arm talent. That doesn't really usually have the prototype of what a team's going to look for as a starting quarterback, which is why I think he's more of that late round three to day three mix, which is backup quarterback. Maybe he's got the upside to develop into a spot starter or low end starter, you know, for a team where his strong suits is, I would classify it's, I think he's got very good to great ball placement and accuracy. 
that's the thing that intrigues me most about O'Connell. It's why I like O'Connell more than Grayson McCall. It's why I like O'Connell more than Jerkovic. It's why I like O'Connell more than Devin Leary. Because I do think, similar to why I like Tanner McGee, as a, as a guy who I thought has great ball placement, O'Connell is not that far off of him. And that's what that intrigues me about O'Connell's game. Uh, throws a really good touch and anticipation. Good mental processor. Uh, can read coverages, pre-snap, post-snap. He can go through progressions. Uh, you know, we saw it last year as a guy who really strong year. I expect another strong year for him. I think he can play a spread or pro-style offense. He's a guy who I think could be in the mix as a guy that maybe can sneak in the second day. If not, he's going to be a guy I think could be on the radar early in date for retype. But similar to some of those other guys I talked about, I think there's just limitations on how high his physical traits can push him up the boards because minimal athleticism and average arm talent, those aren't the traits, right? I've talked about it a lot tonight. I talked about it with McCall. I talked about it with Leary. All these guys have really intriguing profiles, but they're guys that I think profile more as late day three. I mean, late round three to somewhere in that early portion of day three, more than guys I think that warrant that round one or round two consideration. So O'Connell's in that mix for me as well. We'll kind of see how this year plays itself out. Let's bring up Spencer Rattler. And I know he's a guy that's been on everyone's radar for a while. And I know last year didn't go well. And Caleb Williams took his job. And now he's starting over in South Carolina. But let's not lose sight that a year ago at this time, people thought he was a top 10 pick in the down the line for the 2022 NFL draft. He was basically right there as QB1 or QB2 last year at this time. He transfers to South Carolina. He's going to get a fresh start. Coach that wants him. Coach that believes in him. Coach that's probably going to let him develop and go through some growing pains where maybe last year Oklahoma just wasn't going to allow it because they had such a talented player in Caleb Williams behind them. And when Spencer Rattler had some inconsistencies, he kind of you know had it pulled away from him. But let's not also lose sight that Spencer Rattler was a big, big-time recruit. And in 2020, he was fantastic. It was why he was warranting top 10 consideration a year ago at this time. So, yeah, he's only got, he's 6'1", 210, headed to South Carolina. We know the size is just average. We know the frame is average. The arm talent's still very good. For a guy 6'1", 210, he's got the arm talent to push the ball vertically down the field, push the ball outside the numbers. So the velocity and strength are there. Even last year, in a down year, and I know the scheme helps, but he did complete 75% of his passes. And I know I'm not much of a completion percentage guy. But let's let you can't sugarcoat 75%, right? He's not a guy who's inaccurate. He's not a guy who can't put it where it needs to be. So he's got accuracy. He's got ball placement. He's still got a quick release. You watch his 2020 and 2021 film, there's still many instances of him throwing a good touch. I think his athleticism is somewhere between average to above average. But I do think he shows good mobility inside the pocket. And he shows the ability to play off structure, throw on the run, be creative. That just natural feel 
instinctiveness, whatever you want to call it, improv skills. I still think it's there. Same reason why I really liked them last year. I liked them more than Sam Howell before last year started. So I think he's got to show growth this year. Things that we didn't see better him improve last year. Show that he can go through progressions faster. Make full field reads. Be a better decision maker. Show the ability to handle pressure in the pocket. Show better poise. Don't have his mechanics break down when pressured. If he can improve upon some of those areas, I think you're back to talking about this guy having the traits to be a starting quarterback. If not, he's probably taking it to day three. He's probably taking it as a backup quarterback role. But I still believe that he can turn this around. I still believe the physical traits that Rattler possesses is warrant of a guy who's going to end up going on day two. The question is, is he a guy that goes more late round three as a team, as a guy that teams are looking at as backup, maybe an opportunity to be a starter, similar to Ritter this year, similar to Corral this year? Or can he improve upon the things that we want to see him improve And can he push his way back into the round one mix? Can he push himself up to the top five quarterbacks in this class? I don't think it's impossible that he can do that. I think the fresh start is good for him. I'm excited to see what version of Spencer Rattler we have this year. Maybe he let the the press clippings and the hype get to him. But maybe now last year was a little bit of a humbling experience. Do we get the best version of Spencer Rattler this year? I don't think it's inconceivable that we do, which is what makes me very intrigued with him to see, because I do think the traits are there to be a good starting NFL quarterback. We'll see if he can put it all together. Next up, Anthony Richardson out of Florida, redshirt sophomore, 6'4", 240. You want to watch a player that shows you glimpses and glimpses is the right word because he didn't have much, he didn't play much last year, but you watch what's available. You watch the games he played. It's hard not to get really, really excited. You see a faster Cam Newton. You see some Josh Allen in terms of raw tools, raw Tools, not who Josh Allen has became in the NFL, the refined player. But you watch Anthony Richardson and you see the raw tools that made Cam Newton the first pick in the draft. You see raw tools that made Josh Allen a top 10 pick. You see raw tools that made Dante Culper, Culpepper way back when a first round pick. So Anthony Richardson, to me, is the most polarizing prospect at any position heading into the 2023 NFL draft, heading into this upcoming 2022 college football season. No other player more polarizing than Anthony Richardson. Because if you ask me to make a bold prediction, bold prediction, It would be that I don't think it's crazy 
that Anthony Richardson could be the first pick in the NFL draft next year. I don't think it's crazy that Anthony Richardson can be drafted ahead of Bryce Young and ahead of C.J. Stroud. Likely, probably not, but possible if you're a trait-based evaluator and you don't think it's even possible, then you're not looking for traits because some of his traits are the best of anybody in this class. He's got great size and frame. Great to elite athleticism at 240. Great rushing ability. With the ability at his 6'4", 240, not just to run over guys, not just straight speed, but footwork, agility, elusiveness. You watch him run in the open field and you would think you are looking at a running back who's off to the races. If you haven't watched him enough, go watch some more of what you can of Anthony Richardson. Arm talent, I talked about Will Levis, classified as very good to great. Straight velocity and straight strength. Anthony Richardson might have the best in the class. Him and Will Levis. It's on the great level. That's what you're talking about here. He can throw the ball vertically. He can push it outside the numbers. He can throw from different platforms. He can throw on the run and not lose much velocity. He can play off structure. The play strength, the toughness, and the physicality is so reminiscent of Cam Newton of Culpepper, of Josh Allen. Guys bouncing off of him in the pocket. So all those traits that is talked about make him so intriguing. But, but the concerns. He has almost no experience. He grew for 529 yards last year. We can't even come close to properly evaluating him yet. We need a whole year. His accuracy and his ball placement. Again, I don't care about I don't care about the numbers. It was 59.4% for people who do care. But there's inconsistency in terms of accuracy and ball placement. Decision making. Reading defenses. Pre-snap understanding. Post-snap. Full field reads, going through progressions, handling pressure, throwing with anticipation. Those are all question marks. There's as many question marks as there is strengths, which is why he's an enigma right now. But he's the most polarizing prospect I have watched. I think he's the most polarizing prospect of the college football season because he's the wild card. He's the wild card that could be the guy that no one thinks could be the first quarterback taken right now. And I think it's not crazy if he shows functionality in some of those things I just talked about and some growth and development in some other ones. If he does that, you're going to see him go in the top five. You're going to see him go in the top 10. 
And I don't think number one overall is out of the question. And for a guy who's got 529 passing yards to his, his name right now, it sounds ridiculous. But I just, I don't think it is. Okay. I don't think it is. So Anthony Richardson, Debbie Leagues, do whatever it takes. Get him on your team now. Because I think his value will never be lower than it is right now. I only think as the year starts, and it could be quick, it could be the first week or two, the perspective. He goes out there and throws for 400 yards in one game, 300 yards in the second game, or he's running for 150 yards and two touchdowns, six total touchdowns. He does that the first week or two of the season. He's off to the races. Then you're talking about how high could he go? Can he be Cam Newton? Can he be Josh Allen? Can he be Dante Culpepper? I think it's going to be a freight train picking up steam the whole college football season. I'm expecting it to start early and it not to stop until April of 2023, to be honest with you. That's what I'm expecting this year from him. I'm buying Anthony Richardson stock now because I'm buying those traits. We'll see if he can develop, refine, hone those other skills that he needs to be a complete player. But I think the traits are special that he does have already. And I think I think he's got it in him to be a really special player uh, once he gets the full opportunity. Next up, CJ Shroud. What can you say about his season that he put up last year? Spectacular. Enters this year as a redshirt sophomore, 6'3", 220 pounds. I mean, I don't like reading the stats off when I do these reports because it's so easy to go look it up. But I mean, 72% completion percentage, 44 touchdowns to six interceptions, over 4,400 passing yards. I mean, it's just mind-boggling what he did. Very good size and frame. Good arm talent. Not great. Not special. I'd classify it as good. He can make every pro, but it's not like he's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes. I think his athleticism is average, but he's he, has have, he hasn't utilized it at all. And we'll talk about that when I talk about some developmental areas. Very good to great accuracy. Ball placement. Shows the ability to throw a touch and anticipation regularly. Good pocket presence. Good mental processing to get through his reads. I mean... Game for your reads at Ohio State, you know, it's one great receiver to the next great receiver to the next great receiver. I mean, think about it. Olave, Garrett Wilson. Oh, yeah, if they're not open, Jackson, Smith, and the Jigba, one of the best receivers in this class. So going through progressions last year, pretty easy. Instincts. Showing good poise under pressure. Showing good toughness in decision-making. He has all of that. So what can derail him? This year. Well, the first thing is, well, I think he's got the athleticism in him. I want to see him throw on the run more. I want to see him play off structure. I want to see him use the athleticism during a football game. He just didn't need to. And maybe he's not going to need to either. At times, it's some inconsistent footwork. 
but I really want to see him handle adversity a little bit. And I'm not sure he's gonna. The scheme at Ohio State makes things so easy that I'm not sure we're ever going to get a 100% type of evaluation on C.J. Stroud. How does he handle adversity? Can he overcome it? How does he play, you know, when, when things are going tough? We just don't see that a lot. The scheme is so pristine that we're going to make an evaluation on C.J. Stroud and we're not really going to know in terms of certain things. Is it the scheme? Is it him? Is it Bolt? Is it the receivers? So there, there's, there's going to be some lingering questions that I didn't even put in the developmental areas because we're not going to get answers to them. We know Ryan Day is one of the best offensive minds in college football. We know their receiving core is just loaded. Even with losing Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, they're still loaded. The Jigba who I talked about, Fleming, Harrison, the list goes on and on. Stars. So I, I think he's ticketed to be a franchise quarterback. He's going to be a guy that teams believe in, top five, top ten. I don't think it doesn't come without some reservations, though. Because if it continues to to seem as easy as it is, is he just making it look that easy? Or is the coach, the scheme, the receivers, the O-line, you know, is it just affording him the ability that most quarterbacks aren't given? And I think that's the question mark that probably will go unanswered. It truly will. Can he solve, what type of problem solver is he? Because I'm not sure he faced a lot of problems. You know, he he checked off boxes. He checked off traits that I'm looking for. Checked them all off. So how can I not love him? Of course I love him. Would I like to see him be more athletic or use that athleticism? Yeah, that's that's I can nitpick that. But we just didn't see him face a lot of problems. And, and I'm not sure there's anything he can really do about it at this point uh, based on the lack of adversity he may face with that Ohio State team. Next up. DJ Uangale. Uangale. I'm going to have to get comfortable saying that. DJ Uangale. I think I got it. Clemson, junior, 6'4", 250. Going into last year as a sophomore, I think most people had this guy ticketed on the fast road for stardom. A little bit of a rude awakening last year for him. Really struggled with his accuracy his ball placement, his decision-making. Struggled going through reads. Didn't show good mental processing or pocket presence. Turnovers were an issue. Handling pressure. Remaining poise. Reading coverages. He struggled in all of those areas last year. But, talking about traits, he showed glimpses of those high-end traits last year. And if you go back and watch some of his freshman stuff, when he was filling in at times for Trevor Lawrence, you, showed him, you, show, you saw a guy with a lot less concerns when, the cast, when everything was better around them. 
things really just were rough all around for Clemson last year. I think they'll be back to being Clemson this year. And if, if, if that's the case, I think you could see Uangale push his way back into the mix of being an early, an early quarterback prospect. Because he's got great size and frame. He's got very good athleticism, rushing ability and mobility. He can throw on the run. He can play off structure. He's got very good play strength, toughness, physicality. You see it in the pocket. You see when he's running. Very good to great arm talent in terms of his velocity and strength to make any throw. The upside and the physical traits are there to develop into a starting quarterback. When I watch his good, his good, the size, the frame, and the physical traits remind me a lot of the college version of Dak Prescott, who fell, who fell, right? He went a little further. Dak was much more refined, a lot more experience. But the physical traits, the size and the frame remind me a lot of Dak Prescott when he came out of college. And obviously no one thought this was going to be Dak's career or he would have been top five pick, not a day three pick. But I do think Uangale's got raw traits that that warrant a Dak Prescott college comparison. He's built similarly. His arm talent, his rushing ability, his physicality, strength, toughness, all very reminiscent of a young Dak Prescott coming out of college. But it's a big year. It's a big year. Talk about Spencer Rattler having the ability to push his way all the way back up into the mix. I think Uangale's right there. If you tell me Uangale's going back in the first round, I'm not going to sit here and say it can't happen. But on the same side, if he has another year like he just did, then he's more of a day free type guy. I just think the traits are too enticing. And I do expect at least some growth that I think he's going to be a day two guy. But if he puts it together, he's got round one traits in terms of physical traits, I should say. He's got round one physical traits. So... Somebody might say, well, why is Uangale where he is and Anthony Richardson is? Well, we saw a whole year of Uangale struggling. That puts more doubt that that's who he is. Where Richardson, I, I also think Richardson could just be, he needs more time just to grow as a player and to work out the kinks. He's having, he, hasn't been, he hasn't been awarded that time yet. He hasn't been given that time. Uangale was given it last year. But everything around him struggled. He struggled. So there's a little bit more doubt. Same thing with Spencer Rattler. Those guys now got to put that doubt behind us and show that that wasn't the norm, that that was the blip on the radar last year. And they got to get back to being the guys they were the year before that were, that had us so excited when last college football season was set to start. So we'll see if Uangale can get there. A couple guys here to round it out. Three left. Next up, another guy getting some round one buzz early in the process. Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami. Sophomore, redshirt sophomore out of Miami. 6'4", 225 pounds. Took over last year during the year and kind of just hit the ground running. Almost 3,000 passing yards, 25 touchdowns. What do, you, what do I like about his game? What makes me have him in my top five right now? 
great size and frame, very good to great arm talent in terms of velocity and strength. He's going he's gonna to push it vertically. He's going to fit into tight windows. He can throw a good touch. He's got play strength, toughness, and physicality. He can absorb contact in the pocket and, and still stand up and then make a throw. He'll stand tall in the pocket. I think the athleticism is probably about average. Same thing with his pocket mobility. I think the accuracy is probably somewhere in that average to above average. But he can push it to all three levels of the field. But there's a lot of growth that needs to be seeds that needs to develop this year. He's got to show more poise. Got to make sure his footwork and his mechanics don't break down while under pressure. He's got to show the ability to read coverages pre and post snap better. He's got to speed up the mental clock, the mental processing side of it. I'd like to see some more anticipatory pros from him. But Van Dyke has the skill set. He doesn't have the full athletic dual threat capabilities of a guy like Will Levis. But I do think he's got a guy that like I see a higher ceiling with Van Dyke than I see a guy like Tanner McKay. He's younger. I think he's got more movement capabilities. I think he can play off structure a little bit more, throw on the run a little bit more. I think he's going to be drafted to be given every opportunity to be a starting quarterback. I think we're going to see a really strong year from him this year as he gets more comfortable playing the quarterback position. I think you're going to see Van Dyke be a big riser this year and have a really strong, successful year. Next up, Cameron Ward. He's a transfer from Incarnate, D2 school, headed to Washington State. Junior, 6'2", 225 pounds. While Anthony Richardson is the guy that I'm most intrigued with at the quarterback position, got to say, if you ask me to name a sleeper, if you ask me to name a guy that could really see upward mobility in his draft stock that was never getting hyped up, right? Spencer Rattler, if he moves up, okay. I mean, he's back to where he was last year. DJ Angale, many people thought he was going to eventually be a first-round pick. So, yes, those, those guys are guys that I think could recapture what we thought. But if you're talking about a guy who I think could come out of an unknown to be a top 50 pick or a top 100 pick, Cameron Ward's my choice. He had offers from tons of big schools. He chose Washington State because he stayed with his coach from Incarnate who became the offensive coordinator there. I don't care that he threw for almost 4,700 yards last year and 47 touchdowns. The opposition he faced leaves a lot to be desired in terms of the level of competition. He's got to show that he can read coverages, especially more advanced schemes, show that he can go through his progressions, handle pressure that is inevitably going to come now playing at Washington State compared to where he was playing a lot of questions he's got to answer but things that I like good size and frame good athleticism and mobility to throw on the run and play off structure he's got a lightning quick release with the ability to throw from different platforms he's got good arm talent to make any throw he's got good accuracy and ball placement he can throw a touch 
and he's got this creativity and improvisational skills about him that when you watch him play, there is some, some improvisational skills that remind you of Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. Keyword, at Texas Tech. Some people may look at it and think it's a poor decision. But it worked for Mahomes at Texas Tech. It's worked for him in the NFL. Other people can't get away with it. Ward was able to get away with it and incarnate. We'll see if he can get away with it now at Washington State. But to me, this is a guy, really intriguing backstory. He played high school ball at a place that just basically ran like the wishbone triple option offense. So he barely had an opportunity to throw. That's why he was like a zero-star recruit. But once people started watching the skill set that this guy possessed, he's been wowing people ever since. I'm really fascinated to see. I think he could put up a monster statistical year. I think he can jump into the mix of guys that are being talked about as top 50 or top 100 quarterback prospects. I'm really excited to see Cameron Ward at this higher level and evaluate him appropriately. Right now, it's a very hardy eval because we're talking about evaluating against a competition that is nowhere near what he's going to see this year and definitely nowhere near what he's going to see at the NFL level. But there is a skill set and a naturalness to his game that really has me excited. That has me excited about him more than the Aiden O'Connells, more than the Devin Learys, the Phil Jerkovics types. As much as I think a guy like Rattler and Luangale can see their stock rise, I think Cameron Ward can see his stock rise. After my top five, six, I kind of have Uangale, Rattler, and Ward as my next group of tier. Because I think they got a lot of upward mobility. I'm intrigued with that trio way more than I'm intrigued with the average arm talent, no mobility, no athleticism group of O'Connell, Leary, and those guys, Jerkovic. So Ward's going to be a guy going to be on my radar all year, following him very, very closely. Be staying up late a little bit on Saturday night to watch him Washington State. Be setting the DVR because I'm going to want to, I'm going to want to watch Cameron Ward very, very closely this year. And last but not least, to round out the night, Bryce Young, Alabama, junior, 5'11", 197 pounds. Almost room for 5,000 yards last year. 47 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. I mean, the stats are so gaudy, similar to C.J. Stroud. When I watch him play, he's just a natural problem solver. I think it's one of the best things to describe him. Natural problem solver. Reminds me of a little bit of Drew Brees. Reminds me a little bit of Russell Wilson. Nothing he can do about his size and frame. He's going to be undersized. He he is who he is. There's some inconsistent mechanics when thrown on the run or off structure, but that's nitpicking, to be honest with you. 
his ability to throw from multiple platforms, his ability, his improvisational skills, his problem-solving skills make him so special. He's got good athleticism. He's got good mobility. He can move around to create throwing windows. His arm talent's only average, but it's good enough. The ball gets where it needs to get to. He's got very good to great accuracy, ball placement, decision-making. Process is fast. He goes through progressions. Shows good pocket presence. Good poise under pressure. He shows pre-snap and post-snap the ability to read defenses. He throws a great touch. Shows the ability to make anticipatory throws. Natural instincts are there. Quick release. Multiple platforms. Problem solver. Creative. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah that said it first. He's just like a natural born point guard playing quarterback in terms of just handling anything the defense throws at him and being the guy that can just be the leader of the team and know how to make things happen. The limitations on the size and frame are there, and he doesn't have the dynamic movement skills of a Kyler Murray. So that's going to that's gonna knock him a little bit in terms of people are going to be very concerned about that size and frame when you tack on the fact that he's not a dynamic athlete like Kyler Murray, like Lamar Jackson. He mostly wins from the pocket. Now he shows great ability to move around in the pocket, throw on the move, show that improv skills like I talked about, that problem solving that I talked about. But he's a guy, I don't see him not being a top five, top 10 type guy next year. Not after what's going to be a great year at Alabama again. So there it is, guys. I'm excited about this quarterback class. I really am. After this year not being so exciting, next year we're going to go back to like it was last year. I think you're going to, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement about next year's quarterback class. And I think there's guys that can really make a move that I'm excited to watch. Where I stand right now, my rankings. I don't even know how to really break the tie at the top. It's 1-2 C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. If you ask me tomorrow, it might be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. If you ask me after week one, I could flip them after week two. It's an on, it's an all, it's a full thing. What I'll say about this is Stroud checks off more of what ideally would want to see in terms of size, frame, and arm talent. But Young, I think, has the problem-solving, improvisational creativity that I think you need to really be successful at the next level. And I think it's such at a high level that it might be able to make up for the limitations of his size, frame, and his arm talent. So they're a 1A, 1B for me right now. I'll put Stroud at one because he has more of the prototype in terms of the arm talent, the size, and the frame, but it really is a 1A, 1B. Third is Anthony Richardson. Give me the traits. Buy the stock now. I think he's the only guy on this list who could somehow push CJ Stroud or Bryce Young off of the, the top. And this is a guy who only threw for 529 yards last year. But that's what I think of his raw skill set. Will Levis is fourth. 
Tyler Van Dyke is five. Those are the guys that right now I'd feel comfortable pulling the cord on as round one. Tanner McGee is six. Then I talked about the guys I said before. Who are the guys that I think right now probably don't even have day two draft capital? I'm probably being generous. But DJ Uangale, Spencer Rattler, Cam Ward. They make up my seven, eight, nine. And I think those are the three guys with the most upward mobility from where they're being projected right now. And then rounding out my top 10 is Jerron Hall at BYU, who maybe I should just kind of put him right with those guys. I don't think anybody's looking at Jerron Hall as more than at best around three, but probably a day three guy right now. I think he could see his stock rise too, just like Cam Ward. Could he push himself into the mix to be a top 50 or top 100 player? I think he could. So those are my top 10. After that, it's the seniors. It's the Aiden O'Connell, Devin Leary uh, got group. I do have Grayson McCall in there at 13, Phil Jerkovic at 14, and then Jaden Daniels at 15. Those are my top 15 guys. I talked about all of them in depth tonight. We'll see how much movement. I'm sure it'll be a lot as the year goes on, but I'm really excited all of those guys I just talked about, those 15 guys, I think they could all be, there's a scenario and a path where all of them could be picks in the top four rounds. Is it going to happen? Of course not. We only usually get 10 quarterbacks drafted in a draft class. So 15 aren't going in the first four rounds. But they all have a path of being selected in the first four rounds. All, all 15 of them. I truly believe that. Jaden Daniels might have the hardest path. But if you put it together this year at LSU in the SEC, there's a path. So all 15 of those guys have a path to be top four round picks. My guess is seven or eight maybe do it just by the law of averages. Not all these guys come out. Some guys fall. Some guys might rise. But all 15 of those guys, I think, have natural traits that would warrant being selected in the top four, even if you stretch it top five rounds but we'll see how it all plays out. So I'm really excited about this class. Checking in on the quarterbacks this year is going to be so much more fun than checking in on the quarterbacks last year, watching more film, changing my opinion on these guys. Uh, It is going to be really exciting. So with that said, I hope you are enjoying these positional preview shows as much as we enjoy doing them. Similar to the running backs. Not nearly as long, but similar to the running backs. I will timestamp everything. We will try to divvy up into short videos of each each player. But you could obviously listen to the whole podcast. You can watch the whole video on YouTube. If you enjoy this content, if you enjoy, if you're watching on YouTube and you're enjoying the scouting reports that I put on the screen share, that is what makes up our scouting notebook. By the time it's all said and done, there'll be over 100 profiles in there but it's not stagnant. It's not a PDF file. There's a reason why since Saturday, Sunday was created, we did it as a live breathing document on Google because I'll change things as I'm watching a game on Saturday, right in the middle of a play, right after a play. I'll see something that I never saw before and I can make it move. Or I'll watch the film on Saturday and make a change on Sunday or Monday. What you see if you buy these reports now will be updated 
edited from September through April 2023, the week of the draft. There'll be more guys added. Things will be separated to make it, you know, who declares and who's not, who does not. But it's a live breathing document that it will be updated in real time. And that's what makes it different and unique than just reading a scouting report. Because you can find lots of scouting reports on Bryce Young and CJ Stroud right now. But you don't find one that updates it as they can in real time. You can find one dated summer 2022. Then you can find one dated January 2023 or March of 2023 before the draft. But you don't get to see one consistently updated as the season is happening. As soon as the season ends. Thoughts right now. That's what enables it to be a different type of document and make it a worthwhile investment. So hopefully you like it. When the new notebooks are released, obviously we'll talk about it on the pod. There'll be tweet out about it. Hopefully you consider purchasing them. The Scotty Notebook is just one area that's in it. One of the three premium notebooks. The rankings notebook gives you so many different rankings. I'm not going to get into all that tonight. We'll talk more about that at a later date. But I really hope you consider purchasing it. It's the best way to support the show. It helps us to continue to do what we want to do here at Saturday, Sunday, which is continue to bring you the best coverage we can on these college prospects as they're transitioning to the NFL game, help you for your fantasy leagues, help you a better understanding of these players, who they are, the evaluation process, and everything that comes with it. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, we thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.